I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to the first Lost of Words DraftKings podcast of 2023. I am joined as ever, even though it's a new year, by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom, we're back. Another uh, eight months every week. Let's do it. What is it? Is it like 36 straight? I think it was, I saw Jason say it was like 36 straight weekends of, of golf. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, for the guys that, that love football, guys and girls that love football and, and things like that, you've been probably focusing on it for the last kind of, 16 17 weeks and not really cared about golf but um it is back i think i think this is probably the start of the season officially i would say like you know we obviously had rsm and my cobra and things like that but i would say that the season i think it was andy from shotgun start or, or something like that kind of said it's basically like kapalua through to the match play like yeah. before them and then the majors um which is probably about right when you think about it like once the the kind of majors are out of the way it does kind of dwindle down from there i guess yeah, it does. And it, it's um, this is definitely the official start of the season. And, you know, it's when the one and done's will start like next week and all things like that. But the swing season, people have already stopped paying attention. One thing I am looking forward to is getting eyes back on golf again. So when you do content, it's actually worth it. People can yeah. read it and listen to it. So, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a completely different kind of ball game now that things are back in. I guess maybe the biggest story this week is who's not there. Yep. Um, you know, Rory McIlroy is not in the field. Uh, he's decided, even with the elevated event, to extend his Christmas break, which is not unusual for Rory McIlroy. I think he's played here once in his whole career. Like, it's not a stance that he's taken. Um, but it, with the elevated status, there was quite a few rumours that he would play, and, and he is not, thus not. And uh, the defending champion, Cameron Smith, is not here due to his allegiance to live. So um, I guess right off the bat, that's two pretty big um, you know, people missing from the field. Yeah, especially the Rory thing. I mean, you think because he was so kind of instrumental in these meetings and trying to figure out the best path forward for the PGA Tour, and then, you know, the first chance he has to kind of show the the allegiance that he has and, you know, show how how all he is to this new format, he, you know, foregoes. And I, which is fine. I have no problem with that whatsoever. It's his right to do it. If you you can skip anyone you want, if this is the one he wants to skip, you know, the, apparently you can one of these elevated events you're allowed to skip. So I, that means. I always wonder if he's trying to like make a point. You know, like a lot of the people like going to live say that like I want to go to live because I can control my own schedule. I play less golf or whatever. Like I wonder if he's just like it's a bit of a statement. Like yeah, look, we've elevated this tournament and I still don't have to play it. Like I always feel like it's something like that. Yeah, I mean, see if he can say that when he's playing Heritage for the first time in like (laughs) seven years or whatever. He's playing uh, with the other one that he never plays, Phoenix. Yeah, he'll have to play. So, which I think it's growing to the point where he probably would have played it anyway but so apparently he's playing the next however many he has to play all of them it'll be interesting to see him at heritage though won't it yeah like, i think i think ultimately like I, i've definitely gone back and forth on Roy macro a lot and i think ultimately like he's good and he's like it's good to have one guy kind of speaking out and and as long as he follows through with everything um my concern a little bit is that he's kind of going to go a bit wishy-washy if, if he does finally get rid of Greg Norman and he just kind of goes like, oh, lives okay now. And like, well, no, like the, the thing still exists, whether Greg Norman's yeah. running it or not. Like that would be my main concern. Um, and I guess the other thing really, like in terms of, you know, we're saying Rory's not here, Cameron Smith's not here, but that's not the only change to the field. 
obviously they're now including guys that have made it to the tour championship as well so it's no longer which i think they did just after covid anyway i think they did that the first year back and they did yep and now they've kind of formalized it um i don't know how i feel about that like it it's, it's not a tournament of champions anymore the tournament of kind of champions yeah the tournament of you played well for last season yeah i you know what i think they should make this like if they're really going to put all this money it's not a 15 million dollar prize pool like three point something million to first like it's it's crazy but the and they should go all in and make it like even a 60 man field and just have invites and stuff if you're going to do the winners and then plus a couple of guys who aren't really winners but whatever like but go even more into it yeah it should be like the the almost tournament of champions yeah, and I think, like, did, did, did you used to get in if you won any event, or was this, like, things like the Barbasol? Does that not used to qualify for it? There were some that did. I think it had to be a um, a regular, like, it couldn't have been, the, if there was opposite. two events that week, yeah. yeah, it couldn't have been opposite field. So now that that's including as well, like, you've got Chad Ramey and, and, and people like that in as well. So it's, it's a bit of a weird format. I don't hate it. Like, I, I think it's great that there's 40 people or 39 people in the field. There's 17 of the top 20 in the field. It's only um, Rory, Shane Lowry, and... Uh, Cameron Smith missing from the top 20 I believe it is so like we've got a strong field it's great to see these guys back in I guess we use this as a measuring stick right like it's you know where are people out of their games who's the best coming off a bit of an extended layoff John Rahm plays well when he's not played for quite a few weeks Um, you know I I think that's something that's worth noting how much stock are you putting into the pre-Christmas form I don't think you can put really any into it. Can you? I mean, unless these guys who like, we saw Rom playing a bit in, on the DP World Tour, and we saw so a lot of guys haven't played in a long time. So I think, you know, you can think about it a little bit, but I don't think you can make any decisions based off of it. You got to think of it as a fresh slate. Whatever happened before really doesn't matter that much anymore, and we're just starting from square one. I think that makes it so hard. Like, it's such a hard tournament, right? Like, and I think that's why we, we as creators, as much as we love that golf's back and we love doing these shows and I, I could talk to you for an hour without really having much to talk about, like, it is tough. So, um, I guess that you, you kind of have to use the form before Christmas just because that's the only thing you have to go by. But like you say, I think you have to have supporting elements to it. Like, I wouldn't just want to back... Brian Harmon just because he's had two seconds just before Christmas. There's a supporting reason as to why you would pick Brian Harmon, and maybe we'll come to that a little bit later on. Like, absolutely fine. Like, I think I think there just has to be something in addition because two seconds just doesn't mean anything. What? How many weeks ago was it now? Like six, seven weeks ago. Yeah. Like, it's tough, and like especially with, I guess like Georgia football winning and things like that is going to be, you know, the Bulldogs. Whether that affects these guys and and having extended celebrations and things. There's all these types of things. Christmas and and college football and NFL and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's there's a lot of kind of interruptions to the schedule. But go ahead. Quick question for you. Like, it seems like in the past, guys don't care that that much about this event. Half are on vacation with their family. Half are just kind of getting rid of the, in the rhythm. Does this making this an elevated event, increasing the, the purse, which we know people care about even though they pretend they don't, does yeah. that change the motivation factor for everybody? I think... Like, and, and this is an all-encompassing view. Like, haven't less long shots just won in general since purses have gone up? Yeah. So yeah. I think I think players are just playing better and caring more every single week because the money's so much more worth it. So I think you will get one of the better ones win it because it's an elevated event. Um, I mean, look, let's just run through the recent list of winners. Obviously, Cameron Smith, 34 under last year. Harris English, 25 under the year before. Justin Thomas... 
14 under, Zander Shoffley 23 under, Dustin Johnson 24 under, Justin Thomas 22 under. So Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Zander, Cameron Smith are all kind of, I guess, elite. And then Harris English is is a bracket below, but was playing pretty well. Yep. Um, other than that, like I think it, I think what's harder with this event is who's going to come close but not you know win i think i think there's going to be a couple of surprise people that are just maybe a bit sharper than everybody else who have been grinding away while others have taken a complete break and things like that so i mean when you look back like people like jonathan bird have won here jeff ogilvy have won here like it's not it's not elites only but it's i mean what is it like Stuart appleby won it three years in a row back when it was like the mercedes championship or whatever so like it, yep. it can be kind of won in different ways i just think that like you said i think there's going to be a little bit more of an onus on the winner now because of the, the elevated purse. Right. So with all that said, then let's look into the field. Obviously, on top of your DraftKings pools at the moment, you will see Rory McIlroy, who has got out next to him, is not out because of the last event. He is out, as we've already mentioned. So he's off the board at 10-5, which leaves Scotty Schefter, the highest prize golfer, at 10-3. John Rahm at 10. Justin Thomas, 9-9. Nine, nine. Patrick Cantley, 9-7. Xander Schofflay, 9-5. Colin Morikawa, 9-4. Tony Finau 9-3 and Matt Fitzpatrick 9-1. Did not expect to be saying so many nines, um, but that's just the way this field goes. Um, who's the guy you can't leave out? This is tough. I think it's Rom um, yeah. for the most part. He's just too cheap at, at 10 flat, you know, and another thing too is like DraftKings, how do you put the, release the pricing an hour before the field comes out and put Rory in there instead of just waiting one extra hour and then readjusting it because now Rory's 10-5, Scotty's 10-3, Rom's 10. Like now it's going to be tougher to play Rom because everyone's going to want to play him with him being 10k flat, just a really good price. His course history is immaculate. Um, he's never finished outside the top 10, but he's going to be in the probably 33% own range, which maybe more, which is less than that typically is because of how small the field is, but it's still pretty high. Still probably going to be the highest guy owned. So I still think you start your lineups with Rom, though. I'm going to be. So the only thing I've seen is that he said he struggles with the greens here and, like, the wind. Now, when you finish second twice, you kind of basically ignore that, I would say. Like, he was the 54-hole leader here last year. He he sort of showed a bit of returns. So returns of form is a bit ridiculous, but he obviously, you know, won that DP World Tour Championship in, in strong style. He won the Open de España. So he had a very good final run didn't he I mean he was the 36 hour leader at the CJ Cup as well so he's effectively the man in form right now um, if you're going by the, the pre-Christmas form I would say that Patrick Cantlay is quite interesting like I think it's he's got four starts here one of them is the 15th but he was actually 8th at the halfway stage one of them is the 13th but he was actually 7th at the 54 hole stage and he's got two fourth place finishes it always seems to be that he kind of has one really poor round but last year 66 67 66 67 like it was only because cameron smith and john rahm and i forget who else was was third um kind of broke that 30 odd you know 30 under barrier that he couldn't keep up yeah he was the second guy for me too and i was even thinking of, of both of them together he yeah you know look at all the guys who have won here it seems like being able to get a hot putter is kind of a requirement like english can speed read you know dj's gets putter gets really hot jt um so i think you know for him he was a guy i was really considering i mean when the odds were coming out i thought he's gonna be like 16 to 1 and i was gonna 
be someone interested, but the 10 and 12s, I'm not. But, I mean, DraftKings-wise, I just think, yeah, it's him and Ram for me as well. Yeah, I mean, look, I sent you a lineup earlier in our, in our kind of message thread and and said this is probably going to be one of the most duped up lineups, and we'll talk about that later on, but that was starting with Ram and Canley, and I think they're, they're pretty hard to ignore. Um, who else would you say has grabbed your attention? Because I, I have my concerns about Justin Thomas, despite the fact that his course form is exceptional like he's got two wins here he obviously had that incident here in the past which kind of maybe rattled him that week um and then you've kind of got Scheffler Schoffelet who have played here but I mean Schoffelet's obviously won it but are they do you favor either one of those kind of like Thomas or Schoffelet or Scheffler I guess I like Thomas because of the course history it's just like he's so good here um Schoffelet's gonna be really 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 popular um, maybe one of the most popular guys, if not, you know, right after Rom, he's gonna be he's gonna be right up there. Which that's gonna be an easy pivot for me. I think he can do fine here, um, but he's just not something I'm really looking to target. I'd rather play Thomas the most out of the three, but for me, I'm still probably gonna go Rom Cantley because yeah, they're gonna be popular. But so is Xander, so is JT. Um, you know, Rom, JT, Cantley, Shoffley are all gonna be the four most popular guys on the whole slate. So, so what, I think do you, pick- what do you do with Scheffler in that situation? Yeah, I think he's going to be kind of the pivot. I think you can probably go there if if you want to. I think it'll be a good leverage play. Um, he ended the season, you know, he had a kind of rough stretch for a while, but he ended the season pretty strong last year. He could be, you know, ready to come back. Um, it doesn't seem like, you know, a Scheffler spot for me that much. It's tough, isn't it? Because he does everything you need to do well, and like we've we've seen even the people you wouldn't expect to do well go well here. It's, it's, at the end of the day, like it's a resort course that basically anyone that's in form that week can just take apart, right? So it just depends if you struggle in the wind or anything like that. I think he's okay. Obviously, he had that third place finish in Mexico, closed out with a 62, finished top 10 in Houston, closed out with a 67. So yeah, I, I think that he. I think it's an important start of the year for him. Like when you think about here. Um, Tory Pines, Riviera, like I think he, he really needs to get onto a good run at the start of the season because I think very quickly people like Ram, people like JT, like Cantlay, etc. could pull away from him. Morikawa comes back up the rankings, like all of a sudden he could get not lost because he, he's too good of a goal for the for that, but like it could be a very quick change in he was world number one for however long he was. Yeah, and then also you can look at it this way, he if he finishes in the top three this week, he's back to number one. Yeah. So, so motivation-wise, I guess, is... Right, but I, the former situation you laid out is kind of what I envisioned happening. Yeah, I, I think so. I think... I'm not to take anything away from him, like, what he did last year was incredible, but, like, it doesn't strike me as someone that, that will just last, like a Rory McIlroy or something. I think it's it's tough. I think all these golfers are good enough to have their kind of run in the sun, and, and you just have to kind of take advantage of it when it comes. So, with you, uh, John Rahm, Patrick Cantley, very clear um, favourites for us. Morikawa, Fino, Fitzpatrick. Morikawa's got great form here. He does, but for him, I just want to see it before I believe it. I just, he hasn't been that good the last, you know, last year. He really had a, he had a down season for him. Um, the form is something you, the course form is something you can definitely hang your hat on. It seems like course history is, does matter here for the most part. Um, so he makes some sense to me, but I'm just not really too into it. I just haven't been on him for a long time. And like, I know he was kind of, getting better but like apart from the second round 64 to Zozo he was pretty disappointing finished 45th uh he was 29th at the CJ Cup which was average and then 15th for the uh, the Mike over like we've spoken about this before like if Morikawa's not 
the leader in the field in approach, like it's pretty tough for him to kind of go out and win because that's like his real strong asset. So I think ultimately like having that distance is going to play well here. So yeah, it is tough. I think that um, yeah, it's just a case of, of going to to Fee now. I think in the sense of like the prototypical player for me, um, his course history is disappointing. I'd guess like he's finished ninth here on debut in 2017 and finished 31st and 19th. But close of a final round 65 last year, had two 68s a year, he finished 31st as well. Like, is he just so good now that he can just come out and destroy his course? Um, most people think yes. I I tend to believe no. I, I just think the winning rate that he's kind of had is not going to be incredibly sustainable for the next. And I said that before he won another one, so I, he definitely could do it. Um, but the course form again, I know you said he finished with a 65, but for whatever reason, I'm not sure, you know, also he has, um, his wife's family live in Hawaii. I think he's been here for a week or so now hanging out. Um, and again, with the elevated purses, maybe it's not a narrative you can really play into anymore, but, uh, maybe, you know, there's a lot of family there. He's seven kids with him there. Like it's, it could be a little bit distracting. Maybe that's why he hasn't played as well here in the past. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but, um, He's going to be really popular for this, this low nine range, and especially with the way I'm going to be building, using those two top guys, then dipping down. I'm probably not going to be able to work him. I'll probably go down on the eights, but I see why people like him. I'm just not going to get there. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Like the, the top two guys we mentioned is is how we're going to play it, and that just means there's not room for for Finaus and Fitzpatricks. Uh, Fitzpatrick obviously been playing incredibly well, but debutants generally don't win here. I know Spieth had a chance to kind of break that trend. Rams had a chance to break that trend. Like, if you're good enough, you can break it, and trends are there to be broken. But I think he's the type of guy that would need to have a look at this. So then you go into the eights, and I'm not going to go one by one like we did in the nines, but, I mean, straight off the bat, Zalatoris is playing for the first time in a long time, probably needs a run out. Um, for me, it's Sung JM here, 8-3. Yep, yeah, absolutely. He's the guy I bet. Um, he's probably my favorite player of the week. Two starts here, eighth and a fifth. I think he led the field tee to green when he finished fifth. They just couldn't really make putts. Um, I don't. I think that's probably an outlier because he's a really good putter, especially in Bermuda. Um, my only concern is I think he likes the faster greens. Like, you know, the Honda greens are really fast, but and they're really, really slow here. So I don't know if that is the reason why he didn't putt so well last time, but I think he's ready for a really a, a breakout year, and I think this is going to be a way to get that breakout year started, kind of like Cam Smith did last year. Yeah, and look, you look at in 2021, he was third after round one, sixth after round two, and then fifth after each of the weekend rounds. Last year, he was fifth after the first two rounds, fourth after the third round, and then finished eighth. So he's basically been inside the top five for five of his eight rounds here. Um, you know, that's pretty impressive. So to me, that just kind of suggests, you know, it's just the way we go. Like, I think he, he's very, very solid here. He was playing well last season. Uh, towards the end, playing well at the CJ, uh, the Striders, sorry. Did tail off a little bit, I guess, but he's the type of guy that doesn't have too many breaks, and I know that's kind of a played-out narrative, but once he gets to the end of that kind of season, it, it probably just needs a break, and this should have done him well. Yeah, I, I wonder if the, a lot of guys, times guys don't do that well coming off, like getting married a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how much golf he's been playing and practicing is my concern, too. Yeah, I think it's all kind of factored in, right? Like, I think at 8-3 and you know, just by how well he's been playing, I think you just have to take a chance on that. Some people get married and play great. Some people get married and play poorly. Some people have kids yeah. and play poorly. Like it's nappy. Like Jordan Spieth was pretty awful after he had a kid, whereas some people get kind of nappy factor. Like it's it's just, 
I think you just have to kind of take out all the noise and just go with what fits. So, yeah. Anyone else? That you, I guess, like, do we touch upon Cameron Young, Tom Kim, people like that, or do we just stick with the guys that we know we're definitely playing? Um, Young, I'm not really sold on even as a player right now. I'm just, I don't know. I want to see it from him, and I don't like the course fit. I just think I'm not, I'm not big on it. Um, a guy who I am playing, who you guys might think I'm crazy here, but I'm going, I'm going to Hideki here. Yeah, that's, that's, I thought you were going to say Spieth then, but yeah, Hideki's, Hideki's a tough one, I think. I, I mean, course history is great. Like, he, he hasn't good the last couple of times, but when he played here, the first three times he played this course, third, second, fourth. Yeah. And then he won the Sony Open last year, which was, you know, only a second start. He was 13th at 13th here, which is pretty good. Um, same, same green type, you know, in, in Hawaii, so... He gained 7.1 strokes putting when he won the Sony. So I think he does like these slower Bermuda greens out here. I think that, that makes a difference. Um, and I think, you know, I just think maybe that six weeks, with especially with the neck injury, he just needed some rest. Um, and I think, you know, at 30, the odds and number, like the price range that he's in, and betting odds too, I'm going to give him a chance too, because the group that he's in, he's just a better better than all those players, and they're going off last year, his injury and how he played poorly down the stretch, but I just think it's a new year, and if we're starting from scratch and you're getting Hideki at this price, he's priced next to Brian Harmon, Billy Horschel, Corey Connors, like at a place where he has pretty much dominated without getting you know a win, I think it's worth a shot. I think I think the fact that you won at Sony last year is really important. Like You, you want to see those guys that do come out of the tracks really fast because a lot of players don't. Um, and it's understandable like they've had a break and it's hard to get into the routine like some people wait until like Rory waits until the, the DP World Tour starts off again and things like that and goes to the hot weather like it's it, it, it's really different right so I think Matsuyama is probably the the biggest enigma right now like I think that there was so much talk about him going to live there was so much talk about how serious or not serious his injury was there was so much you know about I think there's so many distractions that like you say that six weeks is so important that He's probably the player that needed that most. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, he's now committed, I guess, to the PJ Tour. That, that doesn't seem to be under question anymore. He's here, so I, I guess that, that that definitely isn't under question anymore. I guess it's just one of those ones that, like, we talked about how important the form is before Christmas. Because he doesn't have any to go by, it, it's really hard to know where he's at um, because the last kind of four events you've got from him are a withdrawal, 34th or 40th, and like a 25th in, in all pretty limited fields. But the, the class of the golfer and how he's played well here in the past should say that if he's fit, things should go better for him. You know what You know what Hideki loves? Go. Cash. Yeah. <laughs> that is the true. Elevate, elevated event, he's going to... I think he's going to come out and play well. I really do. There's been a lot of love for Sam Burns, I've seen on Twitter. Is, is there anything for you? I, I just... I think people are buying into this thing that like, he can win at a bigger price often and i was like yes that has happened recently but it's still a fairly limited database yeah you know me well enough to know the answer to that question <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i mean look I, I think i've tried to kind of get you on the sam burns train a couple of times and then when i've been on it it hasn't worked out for me either so i'm just gonna wait and see i think that like what he did throughout 2021 and 2022 really elevated his game and i don't think that can be ignored like he's beaten Scotty Sheffer in his last event. He's beat 
He's basically beat all the people that everyone suggests should win as well. Like he beat Cameron Young by a stroke at the Sands of Farms, beat Davis Riley at the Valspar, he's beaten Keegan Bradley at the Valspar. Like he's beaten the guys that everyone was expecting to win at some point. It's tough. Yeah, this isn't Davis Riley and Keegan Bradley, but I do I I, I respect him as a player, I do. Um he you know, he's been bad in majors, he's been I wanna see him outduel like three or four of these top, top guys. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, like Let's see you go against JT and Xander and Cantlay and then see. And I think he can do it. Um, but then again, he also finished the season pretty poorly last year. And then even I know he said we don't want to go on that too much, but he was losing strokes and approach in four of his final six starts. Um, I just don't think he, you know, I think he was kind of falling off. He won a lot of times in the last calendar year or so. So I just think he's kind of in that fall off stage too. Look, if he wins again this season, then everything we're saying now and the doubts kind of start going away, right? Like it's the same yeah. fee now. Like you said, like you doubted he could win again in the short, short space of time, and he didn't. His last start, so it, it's really, really tough. It, it's a new season. It's a new year for a reason. Um, I'm not going to go into to Homer's, Hovland's, even Spieth. I don't really have too much to say. I think they're all kind of case studies. See where they are at this stage of uh, the year. Um, Brian Harmon's the kind of form guy i guess if you look at the, the two seconds going into you know mention this right off the top 15th 23rd second second to start the season he's played here once or twice sorry he finished 17th on debut but he closed with a 65 and then he finished third in 2018 and he was actually the 36 hole leader no surprise that brian Harmon didn't win that event but i think he can top five here but given his kind of previous course form and and the form he's in if if it's not deserted him in the six weeks he's had off yeah, he, he seems good. Um, but for me, uh, I'm going to be playing Hideki instead. So Hideki's going to be half the ownership. So, you know, does Harmon have a double chance of Hideki playing well this week? Some people might say yes, because he's played well and he's shown it recently. I say no. And then that is the golden question of kind of, sorry to keep repeating the point, but it does go back to that kind of how much stock do you put in before Christmas? Because that is the only thing people are going on for Brian Harmon this week. Like, it's how well he's played before Christmas and like I said you have to have a kind of backup point my backup point would be that you finished third here in 2018 so you know the, you know, when he's in form he does tend to carry it over to, to the start of the new year I think he can continue it I will be playing him but it is a, definitely a good point in terms of winning upside and things like that yeah and one guy you just um, kind of talked went through that I think we kind of do have to hit on a little bit is Victor Hovland because he's one of the more popular names I've heard this week um, he won the hero you want to talk about you know, recent form. He won the Hero, which is a similar type of event to this, the Coastal Resort type course. All his wins have come on Coastal Resort type courses. Um, slow greens, he's he's excelled at. You don't look at Puerto Rico, wherever. Even the Open Championship had slow greens, and he was good there. Um, hasn't been good here yet, but is so this a guy... He's yeah, 31st and 30th in two starts here, but when he was 31st on debut, he was actually 10th after 54 holes. Wow. So still not still not great, but like he he shot a final round seventy six just to, to completely fall away. Whereas last year he shot a Saturday seventy three and bounced back to sixty seven. So like when you look at his rounds in isolation, sixty nine, sixty eight, sixty eight, seventy six, sixty nine, sixty nine, seventy three, sixty seven, he's he hasn't had that truly low number. And the when you're shooting sixty nine, sixty nine, seventy three, sixty seven when Cameron Smith shoots thirty under, it suggests you've had a bad week. Um He's so volatile, Fitzhoffland. He's still volatile. Like I know he's winning a good clip for his age, but like he's really hard to predict. I think. So last year, 
first of all, he started. He was like 141st in putting two years ago, and last year he was 25th, so that improved. But last year at this course, he lost 6.2 strokes around the green and 3.2 putting. So he lost 9.4 strokes with a short game. Yeah. And, and I just don't understand why that is, because if you look at the course, like the green, greens are the, some, amongst the biggest on tour, the fairways amongst the gr- biggest on tour. How is he missing enough greens to lose six point something strokes? Is he chipping it backwards into the water or something? Is it just the fact that like the scoring was just so low last year? Maybe and, I like just... like if you like because people just weren't missing greens at all. Like if you missed like two around, like you were like really you know so far down. I, I don't know. It, it's a tough one. Like without diving directly into that, I think that I think it's good value. Like at eight five and and probably whatever he is on the odds board. Like he, he's decent value just based on the winning outside he's won that that hero which like you say is we kind of shit on the hero a little bit but like it includes most of the the good golfers right and it's a limited field in a in a resort type course so there's not too much different to it it's just i guess in terms of betting terms like should he be the same price as morikawa at the moment i don't know he should be he should be more expensive than morikawa i think interesting because He's done more in the last year in terms of winning, right? The same, maybe? Or the same. Well, Morikawa didn't win last year, right? No. He's here because of the Tour Championship. Right. Yeah, so I guess he has. So, yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of... But, like, in just in terms of, like, career trajectories in, in general, like, is should they be priced the same? I think it's tough. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, and looking at majors and stuff, definitely not because the way that Morikawa has performed in majors and Victor really hasn't done anything prior to that Open Championship last year. And just the course history, right? Like seventh, seventh, fifth for Morikawa. Like I yeah. think it, I'm pretty sure he spoke so highly of the, of the Hawaii thing. Like I think it's a a big thing for him. So it's a tough one. Like I I don't want to discount Hovland because I've done that before and he's come back and I mean like look, he was right in the right in the mix at St Andrews and you know we know how it ended but he was there for a good period so it's a tough one you, you don't want to write them off it's i guess it's the same as someone like spieth like these these guys are so talented that you haven't got a whole lot to go by at the moment but eventually they're just gonna regress to the mean and play well again yeah spieth thinks <laughs> spieth does think at the moment but he he's got to come good again at some point yeah you'd think so but i don't know i mean he he, he flashed and had those couple of good months where he was really striking the ball well but i then last year he kind of went back downwards again. It's just I don't know. I don't trust Spieth at all. I trust Hovland way more than I trust Spieth. I'll say that. Sevens now. Um, it starts with Billy Horschel at seven nine, and he's played here a lot, which kind of speaks to how often he actually wins. Like he's played here six times. He's only got one top ten. He finished sixth on debut, close of a sixty six to climb into that top ten. Um, he's finished eleventh. And then otherwise, he's been kind of building 20s. So he's not been good here. Um, but in 2021, he closed off with... Uh, he had two million rounds of 66, so he's actually seventh going into the final round. Shot a final round 74. And then last year, he had uh, two 66s again, I believe, as well. So like, well, 67 and a 66. So like, he can post the low number that you need round by round. He just doesn't seem to be able to piece it together for four days. So is that just Billy Horshaw in a nutshell at the moment? Yeah, you know what? When I f- at first uh, looking at this event, I was like, I don't look at Billy. He kind of fits the mold, like the Harris Englishes and the type of guys who like, you know, might not need that much distance, can get really hot with a putter, especially in Bermuda. I was like, I think he might 
uh, have a chance this week, especially after he, you know, won Memorial last year. He's really confident. Then look at his course history, like you just talked about. And I thought it was surprising that it wasn't good. He has no top tens here, and how many starts? It's got one. He finished sixth on debut. Okay, yeah, yeah. So but, I only had the last ten years. So, but like, whatever it is. that's 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 2014. Like, it's a long time. And then, like, the eleventh. I mean, he was inside the top ten going into the final round, dropped down one one spot or two spots. So. He was top 10 going into the final round two years ago. Like, I think he's... Yeah, it's tough. Like, it's tough to get on board because he's consistently just not putting four rounds together here. But I just think it's one of those things with Billy Horschel. Like, people look at course form and write him off quite quickly. But there always seems to be a thing with Billy that he does seem to have a 65 or a 66 in kind of every course that he's played at. And maybe he just figures it out. I mean, six years is a pretty good sample size to go by that he doesn't like it. Um, it's not like he's had two, like it's a bit like Hovland, I guess, has had two like performances here and had one good for 54 holes. Like it's not that, um, but I do think there's room for improvement for him. I do too. I I do kind of like him, and I don't, I think most people are going to not play him. And I think with especially with a lot of the guys that we've chosen who might be a little popular, I think you got to go with somebody who is being overlooked a little bit. And I I did I starred him right when the prices came out, so I I do like him a bit. Who's going to be the most popular guy in this sevens? Seamus Power? It sounds like it's going to be Power based on what everybody's saying. And right now it's not reflecting that. It's still really early. Um, but maybe that's just more of like a betting community type thing. Yeah. Um, Connors looks pretty popular right now. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I, yeah, I can't get on board with Connors. I don't know what to do with Russell Henley. We know he's obviously won in Hawaii. It's only opened in the past. Um, has finished third in this event. Finished. Other than his third, he's been pretty poor here, 27th and 17th. What do we do about Adam Scott? Is this going to be a big year for Adam Scott? I think it is. I think he. I think he's going to win the Open Championship. He's got Steve Williams on the bag, right? For yeah, I, think I love that. Is he splitting time with? It? He's not full time, is he? Like he's he's, he's going to be majors. Yeah, he's going to play the big events. You know, Riviera. Yeah. Um, I, I like Scott a lot this year. I don't think he's getting a 25 under, though. No, I don't think that's his game now. Like, I think he's the kind of grind out on the classical test types. But, and to be honest, looking at his course form, 18th, 21st, 6th, 21st. Like, I, that 6th was 2014. Was that when he had that little spell at number one? Yeah, and that was also... Wasn't that when the score was... No, no, that wasn't that year. I was thinking when the score was a little, little uh, higher than we'd typically see. He was 19 under that year. Um, that, that is actually a little bit higher than we and, see. And Zach Johnson won. So it was a yeah. bit of a different, different week. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think we'd probably save him for the, the bigger tests. I do like Seamus Power, no matter how popular he's going to be. Like I think there's a thing about Power, and you've kind of got to decide, do you think Seamus Power... Do we, do we treat Seamus Power as a completely different golfer to how he's been... For the first 10 years of his career like is, is Seamus Powell over the last two seasons a different person yeah um it's a good question I, I'm I, I've never really really been able to get him right um so I don't know you tell me what do you think I think he is like I think I've listened to a podcast with him where he like basically said that he was tracking his like shot shape and things out like on like a GC quad or something and it was just giving him like he was just following that data completely like blindly and then he realized that like one of the metrics was off or something, and all of a sudden it just changed. And to me, that suggests that like one, he had bad instruction; two, he's not quite up to date with how to use these kind of things. Yeah. But like, 
if that is all it needed to be to change into the player that he is, because he was always pretty much touted as a, as a good prospect earlier on in his career as well. And I just look at last year, 27th on his Masters debut, 9th on his PGA Championship debut, 12th on his US Open debut. So he's performed incredibly well in majors. There's a lot of kind of comparison with this and Augusta because of side hill lies and all that kind of thing. Then you look at the fact that he played here for the first time last year and finished 15th, and he had a second round 65 here. He actually played 65, 69, 67 after opening with 71. I think he's like... It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And, it, and that's why he should be talked about a lot. Like, he's, he's closed the year first, third, fifth. Like, he, his ball striking was incredible. Like, that you won't see his strokes game metrics because they weren't at the Bermuda or the, or the uh, Mike Ober, but his ball striking was unbelievable those weeks. Yeah, I, I'm going to monitor the ownership with him because I think it's going to start click Once people start listening to content and stuff, because I've heard a, a lot of people are on the same wavelength as you are right there. Um, but... Yeah, he makes a lot of sense. Um, the other guy I was looking at was in the sevens was Henley. Yeah, because he's kind of like a you know like a Harris English type of guy who could who could do pretty well here. He's his first start here. I, th- I think it was his debut. He was fourth. He second start. He was third. Okay, second start. He was third. Um, so I mean that shows that he kind of likes the course. I think maybe he got a, a little bit of confidence with that win, finally making some putts. Well, look, he won Sony as well, didn't he? The first and he's won Sony too. Or like, and he's yeah, a lot of Honda correlation. Too. A lot of guys who have won Honda like um, have won here too. He he won Honda, uh, so. I think him and Keegan Bradley are interesting because I think Keegan Bradley's kind of renaissance last year is a little bit overlooked. Like I think he had a thirty percent top ten rate last season, which wow. doesn't sound amazing when you compare it to like Rory McIlroy at like sixty percent. But thirty percent top ten rate for Keegan Bradley, who hasn't been consistent for a long time, is pretty strong. So, like he had six top tens in twenty starts on the PGA Tour, including the majors. That's the, the thing is, you got to make putts here. So if he guys like him and Hanley can make putts, they can they can get into the mix, but it, it's just a, an event you can't really get away with not gaining three or four strokes spotting. I just think they're both, like, I think they're perfectly similar and perfectly priced in the sense that like, like you said, as long as they get a hot putter, they can do it. The ball striking's there. They both hit it long enough. Um, like, I don't think you have to be, like everyone will kind of say distance is king. Like, I don't think you have to be that long because the elevation changes it so much, but like everyone's going to get to these kind of par fives. Everyone's going to get to the short par fours. Like it's not the end of the world. It's just, you can't all do what Dustin Johnson did when Brandon Shambly said he shot the best shot ever in the history of golf, which was definitely a bit hyperbolic, but you know, it's maybe I, not I, though. Almost a hot one, one in a par four. That's pretty do, good. Do you think it was, do you agree with it? Yeah, I, I think it was close. I, I could, I'm sure you can make an argument for some different ones, but at the top I of think my head, it's I, just like when you think about the, like, there's no pressure. Like it's a resort course, and you're just whacking it, knowing you're not going to miss the fairway. Yeah, I, I, right. I, maybe, yeah. maybe like maybe like skill. Like, I guess it's hard. Like, is it like skill set and ability, and the amount of people that can do that? Yes, is different to shot under pressure a major championship. I guess. Like, I mean, that's a different podcast, but like, right, right, it's right. pretty cool, right? Like, it's and that makes it a shame that he's not here. I guess, like, that, that we don't see the Dustin Johnsons this event anymore. Yeah, um, sucks. I'm not going to be on Wise. I'm not going to be on Thigala. Stracker or KHL? Stracker makes some sense, right? He's kind of, I mentioned that Honda thing, but he, um, you know, I, I think he likes the greens really fast, which is yeah, a little I, 
I think he likes tougher courses in general, right? Like yeah. He, he like he had that little purple run and then finished 45th, 60 second miscut, miscut, miscut to end the year. Like he went back to what Shep Stracker was before he kind of won after nine miscuts or whatever. So or contended after nine miscuts. Like it's it's a completely different thing. KH Lee is interesting because I think he's the type of guy that goes low in these kind of events, and I do believe he can hang with these types of players despite the fact he hasn't there's not that much evidence of it but like he was third at the cj cup second after 54 holes in a, in a pretty good field yeah i like that i think a lot of people in the down this range i know this is going to be in the sixes but are going to be going towards hoagie is going to be very popular and yeah. um so is poston is going to get a little bit of love so i think i would take kh lee over those two guys definitely i think yeah yeah he makes some sense Hoagie's popular because of his price, right? So, like, this, we've now got to that point where I can kind of say what I believe is going to be probably a really popular lineup was John Rahm, Patrick Cantley, Sung J.M., Brian Harmon, Seamus Power, Tom Hoagie. And that's leaving $300 on the table. Like, I yeah. think that's... I think you've basically... You've got the two best players that we think in the, the 9 and 10K range. We're both really strong on, on Sung J.M. I like Brian Harmon based on the fact that I just think he's solid. Um hoagie's just a cheap play and then it just depends how you feel about Seamus power like you've you could put keegan bradley in that spot um with the 300 extra on the table i believe yeah 7500 you could have wise if you, if you wanted to go to wise like i think it leaves you some room to do things i think adam Svensson's quite interesting as well like i'm interested to see how he builds on a win yep wise will be popular too just to go off that point but um yeah, he, he is a little bit interesting. Again, he has to bring the putter with him, which he very rarely does. Is there anyone in this low 6Ks that you that you trust to fill a lineup? I won't say trust, but what about Chez? Yeah. He can stick a wedge with the best of them, can he? He can. It would be like a Zach Johnson type win, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, 12th and 27th here in two starts, I guess, paints the story. But they were... 10 years apart like that just shows Ches Revy in a, in a kind of short window of, of what his career has been like right but I think JJ Spawn can get low like I think I think he's the type of person that can go and shoot a low number maybe just go out on the first round and just post one but I think ultimately as we sort of said at the top of the podcast like it's going to be won by one of these elites because of the elevated status you just look at Spieth, JT, Dustin Johnson, Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Cameron Smith, Harris English like Harris English was the worst winner in the last six, seven years. I would say half the guys you just mentioned were the best player in the world at the time this tournament took place. You know, Spieth. Yeah. He was coming off. I wonder where they, it'd be interesting to see where they actually ranked when they won this tournament. I know, that would be interesting. I mean, I I could do it, but it would take me way too long for for podcast format, but... can tweet um, it later on. Yeah, we can tweet it later on. I I think that's interesting. Like, I guess Cameron Smith, this was the start of Cameron Smith being good. I guess he probably wasn't in that position before he won here. No, he wasn't. But it was, but it was like a sign of things to come. That's what I think Sungjae could be. Because Cameron Smith was twenty-first coming into this event. Okay. Last year, so I guess that would be the outlier. But like JT was was definitely in form in twenty twenties, and was has basically been in form most of his career. Dustin, we know what he's like. JT again. So yeah, I think you're probably on something. I guess even Harris English to a point was playing pretty well coming in. He was playing really well, yeah. Um, and he, he'd won, like, twice after that. So, or once, that, no, once before that, right? Yeah, once, that was when... Um, no, it was once after that. He won this and then won Travelers later on in the year. Yeah, I was there and I bet on him. It was awesome. Um, so, 
It just reminded me of was that when Harris English last when he won this in the playoffs? Is that when Neiman, instead of warming up, he went and sat with like Sergio and his girlfriend. Yeah. And like hung out for a while. It's like yeah. I was like, what are you doing? No wonder he went to live. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, it's it's a tough one. So I, I think that I think the idea is that you can probably win here as a bit of an outsider. But when we say outsider, it's looking at Sung Jm as an outsider in a forty man field. Or a thirty-nine right. man field. Like I right. don't, I don't think we're looking at maybe like, I think like even like Brian Harmon. I think I'm doing it for like the top five upside. I don't think I'm doing it as a win. I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if Seamus Powell won. Would would be probably where I would draw the line. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I don't think you're going to get hundreds of one winners there. Yeah, I, I agree. And like we said, like top player, but Cam Smith, like if they had the trajectory of they could become a top player, like with Cam, we said he was 21st coming into the year last year. He finished what second at the end of the season. So yeah. like a guy like Sungjae is like that. You know, he's on the he's on the precipice of making that run in his career. Like you could say, you know, you could say Burns is as a guy like that, or um, Zalatoris or Tom Kim or whatever. Like those are guys who I think have the pedigree to do it. They just they're not there yet in the world rankings because they haven't. You know, they're just kind of starting that arc. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what Zalatoris does. Like, I think he's been smart with his layoff. I think he's not rushed back, and I hope that like it's not. I need to get the season. I need to get some golf in. I hope it's like I'm actually really ready to go. I mean, I think he got married just over just before yep. Christmas as well. So like maybe he just took some time down and he's actually fully healthy again if he's fully healthy like the betting numbers big on Zalatoris it is but even if he was fully healthy this is not this kind of event I would like to play him at because of the man putts he's got to make that and because I just like him at tougher tests like I just think you know a 15 16 under is is he's better suited to win like yeah you got to make a shitload of putts here you got to have a really hot putter you got to make 40 birdies over the course of the week yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, it'd be interesting to, again, another one that's probably for, for later, where is Zalatoris, like, what's the best performance he's put in in, like, a birdie fest type event? Like, he generally, when you think about his best performances, like, he obviously won St. Jude, um, Tory Pines plays well, all the majors he's played well in. Um, yeah, I think Memorial would be a good spot for him. Memorial, he has played well, right, top five? Yeah. Um, Shriners, he had a top five. So that's, that's I guess, what we're looking at. Top six of the, the Amex. So he's done it, but they're like, was that his upside in these types of events? Right. Of course he can do it, but yeah, it's not exactly a place I would target him at. Not with the other guys we've got around there. Not with what we've discussed. So I think, Matt, I think that's probably us wound up for the week. Like, I, I don't want to kind of talk too much more on an event that ultimately we've, we've drawn pretty you know, strong lines on people we like at the top, and I think any more would just be kind of filler. A um, little bit of announcement just at the end of the podcast. If you're uh, listening to this after, uh, before the betting show, um, we are going to be on Golf News Network Radio, so you will be able to listen to this podcast with me and Matt on iHeartRadio and tune in as well for American listeners, so you can listen to us in the car if you like without actually having to download the podcast, which is a pretty cool um move for the podcast and you know you can still get us an apple you still get us on spotify and everything like that but you can also just talk to alexa and ask us to to come on so just a nice little little bit of recognition for the podcast fun way to move into radio and things like that as well so happy with that for this for the start of the season matt we'll kind of recap our favorite plays in each range yeah i'm excited you know what else i want to do just bef- um after or before this since we didn't get to do a uh, season preview kind of show together, I want to run through each of our four major winners just so if it happens, we can repost it. And if it doesn't happen, we can <laughs> yeah, we just, never did. So we just said it. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good to me. 
Okay. Masters. Will Zalatoris. Okay, I got Rom. What's next? US Open? P- PGA. PGA. So this is this is the one where it's not going to happen, but I want to say it. Jason Day. I like that. I heard, I, I saw your clip with Dylan. Um, <laughs> that was good. This is the one that I'm kind of struggling on because this is kind of a shorter, I think it's a shorter course where you've had guys in the past like Duffner and, you know, kind of like Stricker been in the mix there. So, But I listened to a podcast where that isn't necessarily going to be the case this year. Right. They've kind of lengthened it. So I don't I don't know enough about it to, to kind of cross that out. Yeah. T- t- uh, I'm going to go, that's, uh, this, this is the one that I, I couldn't really decide on. Um, I'm gonna go Cantley. That's cool. Like, he he needs to step up in majors. Yeah. So then we go U.S. Open, L.A. Country Club. Rory. Ooh, I uh, I get Dustin Johnson. <laughs> okay. I think it's just I think the the reason I say Rory is I think that the Masters is gonna be what it is every year for for Rory in the Masters, and it'll be one of the PGA the U.S. Open that he does it. I've had my bold take with Jason Day in, yep. in the PGA, so I think that. I think the fact that no one will have a specific edge of that golf course because it's new to everyone, I think yep. will just go to, to the better golfer. Why are you laughing at Dustin Johnson? <laughs> I just I don't know. Like I don't know what's going to happen to him between now and then. Like he, he's one of the best U.S. Open players alive. He's one of the best players ever. Yeah. Like, I, but I just people are just going to not accept it. Like I just think the schedule needs to be looked at for Live before. I don't know where they're playing the week before the U.S. Open. I think it's London. Because they're playing, they're playing like Australia the week before the Masters or something. Yeah, yeah. Which um, sucks for anyone that's lived to. That Masters. does suck, but for for DJ too, I like I like that's on the West Coast. Uh, he he's played really well in California. Riviera, I think, is is going to be a a factor there. He's a great in U.S. Open, so I I think he wins a major this year, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was that one. And then the Open Championship. This was another place that I kind of had Rory circled for based on the fact that he kind of won there last time. John Rahm. Absolutely could be Rahm. I think he's going to win multiple Open Championships. But I think the the course setup is kind of a, a one that can make it more open to longer shots this year. Um, but I think the thing with Hoy Lake or Royal Liverpool, whatever they call it now, like... I think it's open to those guys that don't necessarily like these horrible open conditions. Like I've been there and you can shoot a low one. Um, so that's why I kind of like Ram for this one. But the last time it was there was pretty tough. Well, yeah. it was somewhat tough. I think Rory was 16. The next guy was 12. So not, not that tough, um, but it can get tough. I guess it's depending on the conditions, but um, I'm going to Adam Scott there. Yes. And I think he's played well there in the past, right? Like... He was, he was T, uh, T5 when, when Rory won. DJ was T6. Could you imagine someone listening to this podcast right now? We've selected Jason Day, Adam Scott, and Dustin Johnson for majors in 2023. Yeah, you got to go off the board a little bit. I mean, you got to. Like, I could easily just sit here and go Rory, JT, rather yeah. than like it doesn't matter, right? Like, it's you've got to have a little bit of a bold selection somewhere. I mean, look, like, if Jason Day wins the PGA after this, then I'm probably going to retire. You should. And but, I want to ask you this too, with with Scott. I want to I want to bet him to win that event because I just have a strong feeling, but. Only seen right now is sixty six to one. That's not a good enough number, is it? I don't think they ever take chances with players like that. Like, no. like historic, like like Jason Day. I don't even know if Jason Day is even in the PGA yet. Probably not. Would he have got him because of? It must be him because of his win. What was that? Twenty seventeen. Sixteen, I think. Seven years. I don't know how long the exemption goes. 
it's a PGA, not like it's not forever. Right? No, it's not forever. No. Might be five years, I think. Wow. So Jason Day might not even be playing in the in yeah. the event that I said that he could win. Um, what's the best price for Adam Scott? He'll here? play his yeah. way in though. Sixty-six to one. So. Nah, not yet. No. I mean, what is he for Augusta? Fifty, which is awful. Those are the only two he can win, though, right? The Open and Masters. Yeah, like I don't think he's he's winning anything that he's not played well at in the past. Like he should have won an Open Championship already. He has won the Masters. I guess just having. Um, he can't drive it well enough anymore to win a U.S. Open. But I think this is the thing, like the, the, the edge that he used to have, is gone. Long so he straight. so he has to play his very best every shot and every round to win now. Whereas before, yep. he had that little bit of wiggle room. I think this is the same thing about why Rory's gone through such drought. Like, his outstanding driving is still outstanding, but it's joined by Ram and Finau and, and Zalatoris and, and whatever. Like, there's there's other people that can do it. DJ. The gap like, is smaller. Yeah. yeah. Like, whereas before, like, him and Bubba Watson and DJ, I guess. Yep, yep. Um Cool. Oh, I guess we'll talk again about the uh, the Century Tournament of Champions. Yeah, we'll, we'll go back to the Century. So our favourite um, above 9K, let's say. So are we both in agreement on, I guess, maybe Rahm and Gantley? Yes. Um, 8K, Sung Jim? Yep. So we're both in agreement there, strong. Uh, 7K, I'm going to go with Seamus Power. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go Henley. Six uh, K. Um, value wise, I think it's Tom Hoagie. Um, actual performance wise, I think Jay Z Poston can play well here. He could. Um, Chaz... it's, it's slim pickings. Like you can say whoever you want here. Like it's not gonna matter. <laughs> what do you think of Starlings? I, I did think about that. Um, he's going to be too focused on his viral tweet, I think. Like, he definitely, that's been set up. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah, there's no way that happens. There's no way. Not Augusta. No. How on earth do Augusta send the invite to the wrong place? Yeah, that's bizarre. He, he knew that that was going to bang, that tweet, and he's just gone, let's set this up. Yeah, that's even weirder, though, than it, than it actually happening. Wanted. I know, but, but it, it's literally trending. Augusta yeah. is trending on Twitter. Like, yeah. Is it's marketed? It's got to be like I think he's generally quite smart in that area. Like he's good on Instagram and stuff like that. There's no way. I mean, if Augusta have sent it to the wrong Scott Stallings, yeah, and the partners are both called Jennifer and they both live in wherever they live, that no, nah, come on. Well, if to go on your theory, then if somebody's pulling the strings, then that means this week maybe he'll play well to keep that story in the news a little more because he'll interview him about it and all that. So yeah, I'm gonna go Scott Stallings. Scott Stallings, <laughs> there he is at 6600. We've had weirder reasons to pick players, before, yeah. So uh, I like it. Um, Matt, good to be back in the saddle. Um, enjoyed talking golf with you again. We we better settle up because it is 36 weeks of it straight in a row now. Um, so yeah, we're, we're back and back for 2023. All right, I'll see you again for the next 35 weeks. Yeah, look forward to it, buddy.